Face right. March. March. Thing play because that was a long uh, clip at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk right over it. So, how are you, Fish? I'm I'm doing well. Good. I hope everybody how out there. Josh, I'm doing great. Fabulous, wonderful. Another day in paradise. All right. Yeah. Type of deal. It's another rainy day here in Florida. Yep. You know those afternoon showers coming in like every single day. You know, like uh, how Seattle gets the. Uh, they got like a mist. It's like a misty. Yeah, but everybody claims like that's the rainiest damn city. No, like I think Central Florida gets the it, most. It just rain. rains there all the time. It's not like the rain that we get here, where it's oh, like, we get <laughs> yeah, it's like a yeah, fucking yeah. downpour. <coughs> well, welcome everybody back to another episode of Duck and Usher. Yep, yep. Um, it's been well, it's been kind of a it's been a weird quieter week. Yeah, quieter week. Two weeks than we've had. Uh, you know, there's we're still kind of in the throes of the pandemic which everybody just decided was over but it's not <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know other than that you know it's just been a typical week at work for me and lots of movie watching you got anything uh that you uh, viewed recently that i you watched enjoyed? i watched a lot of movies yeah you did uh, I, I went like so i watched our movie apt pupil that's yeah. our movie for today um so i watched you down a rabbit hole yeah i watched that and then everyone had been t- i had never seen gods and monsters which is an ian mckellen movie about jimmy whale the director of frankenstein yeah and i watched that with brendan fraser that was good uh and when then did I, that come out uh i don't 2000 something no i don't know i didn't really look gods at and it. monsters gods and monsters is the name of it okay and then i went down like a nazi rabbit hole film i watched operation finale i watched okay. the 12th man I watched uh, The Catcher Was a Spy. Was that any good? The Catcher Was a Spy. A lot of people have been asking me. I give it like three out of five stars. It was good. Don't expect like a shoot 'em up kind of movie. It's more of a biopic. And Paul Rudd did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell by the title whether it was, is it, it's not a parody. No, it's it's based on a true story about Mo Berg, who was a catcher for the Boston Red Sox, but he was also a professor. He spoke a bunch of languages. Oh. So he he basically, they're, 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 they're kind of hunting down Heisenberg, like the guy okay. who created the fission, like the bomb. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like he's kind of tracking him down while he's in Germany and stuff like that. So it's kind of a political oh. thriller, but not really thriller-esque. I didn't know anything about it, and the, it was just it was on the Hulu. title was yeah. making me like go, what? Is it a play on the catcher and the rye? That's what I thought. No, it's just like, the what? catcher was a spy. I what? I was I was just confused. And I seen Paul Rudd, and you know he doesn't do a lot of dramatic stuff. And it so, was good. He did a good job. Was he good? Yeah, he okay. was really good. I, I, believe, watched, I believe he has some real acting chops if you know he was ever given that. I watched Anthropoids, Chains. which is another German one. Okay. And then I watched uh, 
So the Twelfth Man is a, a foreign film, so it's all subtitles. And okay, then yeah. I watched another one called Flame and Citron, which has Mads, uh, Mad Milkinson in it, or Milkinson. Mickelson. Mickelson. That was a great movie. M- Mickelson. Mickelson. <laughs> Mads. Mads. Mr. Mads. Yeah. Uh, you ever notice every movie he's in, there's always something going on with his eye he always, or eyes? Yeah, he, he, I think he naturally has like a small lazy eye, but he always wears, like in most of his movies, he wears glasses, I see, like a lot of times. Well, there's always like stuff. some kind of makeup effect when he was Le Chief or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it was like pushed down. Uh, in Doctor Strange, he's got the, like this purpley stuff around his eyes. Like, there's always something going on. He's wearing a patch and just, polar. Maybe he just likes the eye type. I of don't thing. know. It's it's almost like you know how actors have these weird little idiosyncrasies that become like a thing. Like Christopher Walken always dances. Yeah, he uh, Brad he, Pitt's always eating. He always does a movie where you know, he has to uh, dance. What else? What else is uh, Tom Cruise is always sprinting. Yeah, he's always running you know? for something. Um, what's another one? What are you running from, Tom? Harrison Ford is always pointing with his index finger. You ever no, notice that? No. Yeah, watch always watch points. Harrison Ford. He's always like the pointer. Do, yeah, doing the point. And there's another one that makes me laugh that I, that somebody always does. I, I can't recall, but there's, there's little things that actors do that they just they little nuances. That oh, are that uh, part of. James McAvoy for some fucking reason is always screaming. <laughs> you ever think he's always like ah! like you gotta yell. At some point in the movie, anyway. What'd so, you watch? You didn't. Uh, you didn't fit American History X into that little group. I've thing? seen it before. These were a lot of movies I hadn't seen. Like okay. Anthropoid, I had seen, but it had been a while, so yeah. it was like it wasn't fresh in my memory. But all the yeah. other movies were, except for App Pupil, I've seen. But all the other ones were just. Well, I was speaking of like stuff Nazi I had not and seen. World War Two movies, like I was trying to think of all the ones that I had seen, not just World War Two uh, specifically, but like anything that had to do with Nazis. Um, Th- that's what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for a lot of war-esque yeah. movies. I was looking for more like resistance, like kind of underground, like it's not yeah. it's not uh, Saving Private Ryan type of stuff. That's, yeah. that's, those These movies weren't anything like that kind right. of battle, shoot them up, bl- Did explosion. you ever see, um, son of a bitch, I'm like, oh, uh, Green Room? Green Room, I don't think so. That It's from Jeremy Saulnier, who did, uh, he has a Netflix movie called Hold the Dark, and then he also did... Um, uh, Blue Ruin, which was Macon Blair. His first movie was Murder Party, which I really want to cover this Halloween because mm-hmm. we mentioned it last year. Anyway, he typically like does movies that are very violent in their nature, but they're also like very realistic. And so Blue or uh, Green Room is about this. Uh, it was before Anton Yelchin was in it before he died, sadly, <clears throat> where there are a group of punk kids who are trying to get a gig, and somebody tells them, "Oh, there's this club over in BFE." That needs a spot filled in. If you want to play there tonight, you can. And they get there, and it's a skinhead bar. Oh wow! And they're all, and they're like, and they decide to open their set with Nazi punks. Fuck off! <laughs> that song. And uh, of course, everybody in the crowd starts throwing beer bottles and jeering at him and stuff. And then something happens, and by the end of the movie, they witness a murder, and they're held in the green room uh, of the club, and then people just start dying, and it's fucked up. Patrick Stewart's in it as a Nazi. Oh, nice. Nazi so Ian, cult leader. Yeah. Ian McKellen plays a Nazi in this. Yeah. And uh, uh, Gods and Monsters came out the same year as this movie. Oh, okay. So. All right. Uh, as, far as, what I, as far as what I watched, um, I, I, I kind of got on a Schwarzenegger kick for some reason. I, I watched the first Terminator, and I was like, well, now i got to watch a series. Yep. So I rewatched two and three and four, Salvation. And, you know, rewatching the original series again, barring the... Uh, the two attempts at rebooting the series. <clears throat> Number three is a big, big piece of shit. That movie sucks. I think one and two are the best. Salvation was one with Christian Bale, right? Yeah. I really liked that one. I didn't hate it either. Yeah, I, yeah. Saw, I think I saw that in theaters. Also Anton Yelchin. He was in that as uh, Kyle Reese. Yeah, I saw it in theaters too. Uh, I think it suffered from, you know, uh, probably not 
staying as loyal as it could have been to the story. It tried to like infuse like other ideas um, into it, like like John Connor almost dying and then there being in like a new, you know, uh, Terminator hybrid thing. Yeah, they do like it's okay. <laughs> like what happened to like the purple lasers and the in the big you know uh the like the army walkers, of robots yeah. and stuff and like uh, take take us to that future instead we get a very mad max very gray washed out kind They're of movie consistently trying to rewrite yeah and again i didn't hate it but also not exactly a schwarzenegger movie because he was really only just his likeness was cg'd in there and then and then i watched total recall and the running man <laughs> And that's about it. Uh, yeah, haven't really. And then, of course, Apt Pupil took me down another rabbit hole. Uh, I think I watched Doctor Sleep again, uh, just because I'm, I'm now I'm like super interested in all things Stephen King. And, because and, of this, yeah. And there's like a multiverse connectivity that this movie is connected. Yeah, to. Yeah, I didn't know that. Fish was telling me about yeah. it uh, the other day, and he's gonna he's gonna explain that. Yeah, a we'll, little bit. we'll we'll get to that in just a bit. So yeah, today's movie is Apt Pupil, 1998. It's uh, one hour and 51 minutes, so it's, it's a good size little movie. Um, it got a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, 51% Metascore. Wow. Came out October 23rd, 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, the budget for this movie was $14 million, mm-hmm. and it only made 8.9 in the box oh, really? office. Yeah, it didn't do very well. It is directed by Brian Singer, who most of you guys know would do Usual Suspects, The X-Men. Yeah. Big name in uh, Hollywood, so we're not really going to dive into his movies as much. Yeah, he's got some stinkers, though. We also covered a 98 film uh, a little while back, so I'm not really going to say what movies came out, uh, Saving Private Ryan, stuff like that. So Yeah, 98 was a big one. It was a big I year. Think, uh, what did we cover for 98? Dark City, I Dark think? Dark City, yeah. yeah. Um, where was I? Oh, Apt Pupil was only... Uh, was was actually the second attempt at making this a movie. There's a whole ass, like... Um, three quarters of a movie filmed in 1987... Uh, and then it was just subsequently scrapped. Um, but Did it wasn't go over the, budget or something, or uh, I don't doesn't re- really say. Recall, like I read something about it, um, having been okay. Here, here, here's a little little tidbit. So there had been talk of a movie version since, uh, or, or rather, in the year 1984, which is the year this movie takes place. Mm-hmm. James Mason had originally agreed to play the part of Kurt Dusender. Um, but he died from a heart attack before filming c- could begin. James and, Mason would have been pretty good in that. Yeah, it would have been a very so. different role. Yeah, he would have been a little more like, uh, I don't know. S- what's the word I'm looking for? Stoic? I don't know. Yeah, like, maybe. Uh, I, I'm not sure. <clears throat> but he would have been a, a different flavor for sure. Richard Burton was also considered as his replacement. <clears throat> but he died from a cerebral hemorrhage before he could accept the part. <clears throat> And the first attempt to film the story uh, was in 1987, and it ran over budget, and was stopped six weeks after or after six weeks of shooting. It, okay, it, it so it went over yet. budget. Okay, there was only ten days of filming remaining, and according to Stephen King, who saw a rough cut of three quarters of the movie, he said it was really good. It starred Ricky Schroeder as Todd Bowden and Nicole Williamson as Kurt Dusinter, and it was directed by Alan Bridges. Hmm. So there's a lost movie out there somewhere, sitting in a vault, <clears throat> hopefully. Probably, I don't think they. I, I hope there's a physical copy. Remaining. Yeah, it's probably sitting. Who who was the studio? Because uh, this this doesn't tell me. Yeah, this was a this was TriStar TriStar <coughs> Pictures, uh, Phoenix Pictures, and Bad Hat Harry, which of course is um, that's a uh, Brian Singer's singers, company. Yeah. yeah, take it from Jaws. If anybody didn't know that, that's a Bad Hat Harry. Is that from yeah. Jaws? Yeah, it's from Jaws. Oh, okay. Bad Hat Harry. It's when uh, when the chief 
walks out and he's like, how do you like my hat? And he's like, that's one bad hat, Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's what he took it from. I mean, it's uh, a line yeah. from Jaws. So. It's got to be. Jaws is, is referenced so much. What was uh, that company that by the filmmakers that did Frozen was a Jaws Oh, the Jaws right? reference, yeah. yeah. They had like the, the barrels and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen said that uh, one of the things that convinced Brian Singer to cast him as Dusender, despite him being English, um, and considerably younger than the character, because um, the character is 75. They made him look 75. Ian McKellen was 57 yeah. when they did this. Um, so Singer was raving to McKellen about a performance by an actor he had recently seen called Cold Comfort Farm. And McKellen informed him the person he's talking about is actually himself. Him. Nice. So he's yeah. like, all right, I'll take this role. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so let's, uh, before we jump in, I'm going to give a little bit of a history of what people is. Go right ahead. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me take a drink of my tea. Yeah, drink some tea. It's uh, It's been a rainy day. <coughs> and I don't think Fish has the Rona or anything. He just got tested. Yeah, no Rona. I'm donating. That's from a, a multitude of American spirits I smoked last night while <laughs> drinking whiskey. I'm donating blood on Tuesday, so. To who? Just, just random people. Uh, no, here you go. <laughs> I usually, I, I, I used to donate, or at least I try to donate every three months, just because like I feel a lot better when I donate blood. Really? Yeah, I have real thick blood, so when I'm like a pint, I wish vampires are real. Because if I was a, if I was a pint less, you just feel like your cup runneth over. over yeah, there, pretty you much. Get rid of some. Dude, I fill up those bags <laughs> quick, man. Those you people serious? are like, yeah, yeah, I got really thick blood. Like when they used to take <laughs> the, um, if anybody's ever donated blood back, in the, they don't do it anymore. But they used to prick your finger and like do like the, the bloodletting. The, yeah, no, they would do the iron test. Okay, like, you know, they would float in a jar. Yeah. Like, I swear you could hear my blood hit the bottom of that jar. Like, king. <laughs> <No shit. laughs> yeah. Good Lord. So I think they do like an antibodies test or something when I donate. So okay. Fun. So Apt Pupil is a 1982 novella by Stephen King. Uh, it was originally published in 82 as part of a novella collection called Different Seasons. Uh, and this one was subtitled The Summer of Corruption. Um, and it actually consists of 30 chapters, many of which are headed by a month set in the fictional suburb of Southern California called Santo that, Donato. That story is 30 chapters? I think so, yeah. Okay. According to this. Um, it's set in a fictional uh, South Car- or Southern California suburb of Santo Donato, and the story unfolds over a period of about four years. Uh, we don't really experience that in the movie. I think we only get like a, the course of about six, six months, months yeah. maybe. Yeah. It's like part of a school year. Um, yeah, like the end of a school year, like the end of semester or something like that. Right. Um, excuse me, it's actually the only novella within that collection that uh, actually is narrated in a third person. Everything else is a, a person's point of view. Man, I'm gassy. Uh, so the plot summary is essentially in 1974, Los Angeles teenager Tom Bowden arrives at the doorstep of an elderly German immigrant, Arthur Dinker, accusing him, accusing him of being a wanted Nazi war criminal named Kurt Dusender. The old man... Initially denies the allegation, but eventually acknowledges his true identity. And rather than turning Dusender over to the proper authorities, Todd asks to hear highly detailed stories about his crimes, having recently become interested in the Holocaust from his classroom lessons. However, Todd still threatens Dusender with exposure should he refuse his demands. And over the next several months, Todd visits Dusender daily under the pretext of reading to him, all the while badgering him into revealing more details of his atrocities. And that's the movie. Thanks for listening. And yeah. <laughs> Roll credits. Roll credits. Uh, <laughs> so are we jumping into the movie? Uh, yeah, that was okay. just the, the basic... The basic uh, synopsis of synopsis, the Synopsis, yeah. And so there, there are 
differences like most things book, uh, book from to book to dream, film. Yeah. This is a pretty straightforward adaptation. I think the only thing it really omits is some of the greater consequences or results of Todd's sort of self-radicalization. Yeah, they. Uh, we're going to talk about that because yeah. there are some scenes that are like, holy hell, but I feel like they could have went a little deeper into sure. his and transformation. The, if they had gone um, like to the T with the story ending from the book to film, I think it would have had a more impactful ending, but it also would have been more shock value. Yeah. And we'll talk about that at the end. So it, it pretty mm-hmm. much TriStar Pictures. It opens up. Um, we... It really shows, um, so we have, it's a classroom, and you show, right. uh, it, it's basically, we've concluded this week on the Holocaust. Blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Like, that's Starts about Starts with that quick classroom scene. There's like a Venn diagram up there that shows like how many people <clears throat> died. Um, yeah, and it's sort they, of like a pie chart of yeah. all the uh, the deaths. It, who's the narrator for this uh, at the beginning? At the beginning, it's, it's, it's just a teacher's voice, yeah. but the voice is uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, who was a writer and a friend of Brian Singer's. He, he's written a bunch of films himself. He didn't write this one. The writer in this one is Brandon Boyce. Um, Christopher McQuarrie was a writer of such films as The Usual Suspects, The Way of the Gun, uh, which we were talking about the other night, too. Valkyrie, uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Nazi that, that one. Nazi one. Uh, the Tourist, Jack Reacher, Jack the Giant Slayer, Edge of Tomorrow, The Mummy with... Tom Cruise. He's writing a lot of Tom Cruise. Yeah, and Missions Impossible 5 and 6 and the upcoming 7 and 8. Okay, nice. And then uh, after this whole thing, there's like a quick shot well, of well, the him teacher, in the library. Yeah, the teacher says, if you want to learn more, the, yeah. this library has a lot of great stuff on it. So, yeah, so and boom. We meet to- character Todd Bowden, which is played by... Brad Renfro. Brad Renfro, the late Brad Yeah, Renfro. he passed away in 2008, about a week apart from, from Ledger, uh, right? Heath Ledger, yeah. And some of his other real good roles, like he was uh, in The Client, um, Ghost World, Tom and Huck. Remember that opposite? Oh, yeah. Dude. Jonathan Taylor he was Because he was a child actor, really. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. The Client's a great one with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, right? and Susan Sarandon. That was, a, that was John Grisham, not Stephen King. Okay. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah Bowden goes to the library to do more research. Um, and we have, like, our opening credits. And <clears throat> it's, it's really showing a lot of pictures of World War II Nazi. Like uh, I, see, I saw Mengele. In yeah, there, there's, like, oh, there's a bunch man. of people, and then and then through these photos, they've kind of that you kind of see um, Ian McKellen's character yeah. thrown into these photos, just like a quick little yeah. thing here, little thing there. His that was an actual photo of Heimlich Himmler, uh, and they just oh they just digitally replaced oh, nice. yeah, his face. Um, and then during the so one second, it says. Uh, Fade to 1984, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it jumps to 1984. Yeah, and, and Todd and Todd is on a bus and he's just sitting there. And then Ian McKellen's character. Um, I think we're supposed to to infer that this is when he recognizes him because Todd has been, you know, just so consumed with Holocaust history and, mm-hmm. and photos. And he kind of yeah, he sees him. He's just reading like, accounts. And he's like, yeah, you look familiar. Um, it's on a bus, and then it, and then it just it he's just staring at Ian McKellen on this bus, and then it jumps to one month later, right? And so, um, Bowden is uh, <clears throat> him and his friend. Uh, his friend is Joshua Jackson, yeah, who from Mighty Ducks, Charlie Conway, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> quack 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 quack, yeah yeah yeah. yeah so that's kind of a little <laughs> that's, thing. That's there. our stuff there, yeah. Um, yeah, they're just chit chatting like you know high school kids do. He goes to kind of a preparatory school, so it's yeah. it's a private school. Everyone's pretty he's, rich. He's a sixteen year old senior. Because he's he's a straight A student, he gets to skip some grades and shit. Yeah, and I think even by the end of the movie, he's the valedictorian. So you have all this like he's incredibly smart, and but he's also like, you know, doing this self radicalizing where he, even even like later you get little hints that he could 
who he might grow up to be might might, might not be so great because he's cut out like a hard line stance against like marijuana because that one girl was like smoking. Yeah, later he on, like, he's like, yeah, blow that blow away that from away me. Blow that away from me. You know, you could see his his sort of like his, his thinking is getting rigid. And, and I don't know, some people are like that. Uh, he's riding his bicycle. He kind of does that a lot. And he shows up to the door of... <laughs> um, uh, what's his we're just going to call him arthur arthur denker I, I got him listed as denker the whole time the whole time he's okay. actually kurt Dusander. which okay we'll see which we're gonna uh, there's a little clip he knocks on the door and here's kind of our, our <laughs> first interaction between um uh, denker and todd i also feel yep. like the when you when you see the exterior of this home it's like, it looks really familiar like where have i seen this home before they've, they've had to have used it in something else it looks like the the front porch like roseanne's house you know, maybe. from, from I, I don't think it's the same one, but maybe it's just, just that, that style. style. Yeah, the, it was very L.A. Maybe the big front porch with the yeah, it's a very mid-century kind of home that doesn't look very well kept. Yeah, and and you also see like there's there's clues that that Arthur Denker wants to remain hidden and unseen. He has a, a posted sign that says "No solicitors, no peddlers, no salesmen." Exactly, I'm like, just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah like that. The, the house does not look welcoming. No, all. and I think you know you do that on kind of on purpose. And this is where you this, said, this yeah. next clip is where he makes himself known to. Yeah, it makes himself known. It's not the whole clip; it'll fade out towards a certain section. Cause okay, because it's, it's really long. I only have six clips for the uh, for the entire show. Okay, and here's the first one. Yes. What do you want? I. If you're selling something, I'm not interested. I have your newspaper. I'm, I'm not selling anything. What do you want? If you could let me in for a minute, I just want to talk. Talk? I don't have anything to say to you, boy. Good day to you. Bergen Belsen, January 43 to June 43. Auschwitz. June 43 to June 44. Then you went to Patton. After that, you disappeared. But then in 1965, you were spotted in West Berlin. Listen, boy. I don't have time for this game. Now get out of here before I call the police. Call them if you want. I'm sure they'd love to meet you. Who are you? My name's Todd Bowden. I didn't mean to scare you. I just really want to talk to you. If you could let me in for a minute. Please. Mr. Dusander. All of this because you saw an old man with a raincoat and an umbrella. It wasn't that easy. I mean, these pictures are 40 years old at least. But when I held him up next to the ones I took, I knew I was close. You took photographs of me? Yeah, but even then I couldn't be sure. I needed real proof. So I dusted your mailbox for fingerprints. You know, that's a lot harder than people think. I had to go back to Toy Town three times to get all the stuff. Then I waited till you were at the movies. You put dust on my mailbox for fingerprints. You took photographs of me. What else did you do? I already had a copy of your fingerprints. They're on your want sheet from the Israeli government. It's all on database at UC Irvine. 
and then it fades down there just because there's a little bit more um yeah so todd pretty much is saying hey i got fingerprints i got photos mm -hmm. i got all this stuff and uh, arthur is like you know what i'm gonna call the police and as he's doing it he's, yeah. he's calling and he's dialing a lot of numbers like 911 is that's it yeah he was like he's bluffing and then he finally well, just hangs up because he didn't think the kid actually had anything legitimate and he said that it's really hard to get uh what he called compares yeah which were the uh the fingerprint match but he got the compares and it was he like says it's hard to get eight and he got seven. Fourteen. Yeah, it's hard to get eight, and he got 14. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's difficult a perfect, to get eight, and eight is what you need for it to be conclusive. Yeah, 14 is a perfect match. And he's I like, think. I got 14, homie. Yeah. Like, like what you got. Uh, I really uh, liked, you know what I think about it? When this movie came out, this is probably the first time I really noticed uh, Ian McKellen as an actor. Yeah, I want to say that's probably the same thing for me. And it wasn't until probably Lord of the Rings that I realized, oh, that's the same guy. From that people. Because he, he does so well at like stepping into this character that you don't see Ian McKellen. You literally see this old Nazi. His teeth are nicotine stained yeah. and he just and, and they, they really the way he speaks to is they is really aged great. him up really well because yeah. even watching uh, Gods and Monsters, which came out the same year, him playing Jimmy Whale, like he looks like he's in his fifties. Yeah. Like he looks all dapper and shit. Ian, uh, Sir Ian McKellen, I should say, yeah. uh, later claimed that the, the, the most difficult part for him in this role was mastering Dusinder's accent because he was supposed to be not just a German accent, but an accent of a man who had been living in California for decades, speaking English, trying to suppress the German his accent. accent. So yeah. it has to be there, but it has to feel and sound like He's been trying to mask it. Layers on top of layers. Yeah, on top of layers. so that's that's got to be hard to do, and that's that shows you like how much of a master of his craft that he truly is. There's and Todd really just he says you know he's like I won't say anything. I just I want to hear the stories they don't teach us in school. Yeah, he's like you. And he goes, you know, I'll keep this a secret, but you gotta gotta give me these stories, type right? Of shit. And he, he essentially says, which I guess turns out to be a bluff. That he has a dossier on him. And he does. He does have a detailed file. Yeah. But he says he has it in a place where where, where if something were to happen to him. Someone knows about it. Yeah, that it would be released. And it's really just hanging out in his in his trunk, in his room. We show uh, Todd back in his classroom. And he's mm -hmm. not really paying attention. And he's drawing uh, the swastikas on his uh, yeah. page. So it's like, all right, getting into the head. And then, yeah. it, and then it does another one month later. So now it's been... This is two months, three months now from the beginning uh, of the movie. Yeah, it's another it's another month that passes. Um, and it, I I know we're going we're going into another clip. Um, oh yeah, this is when they're discussing the gas chambers. Yeah, because uh, we we don't hear a lot of stories, right? Um, but this is one of the stories that we really hear, so you kind of get what Dusinder's talking about yeah. that we don't learn in school. So okay. Here it is. And once they were in the chamber, how long did it take? Like a minute, five minutes. Uh, I guess it took 15 minutes. But the Bernard side could take an hour, sometimes more. What happened to them? I mean, exactly. It was a mess. They would lose control of their bodies. And they vomited and urinated and defecated themselves. Even though the gas came in from the vents in the ceiling, they would climb on top of each other, desperately reaching for fresh air that wasn't there. They died in a mountain of themselves. 
What about the children? On the bottom. Did anyone ever survive it? One time, the gas didn't work. There was a leak in the pipes, so oxygen mixed with the monoxide. It was horrible. But after an hour, they were still moving, stumbling around the room like drunks, their eyes glassy. What did you do? I altered more gas, but we didn't know about the leak. Soon they began to twitch all over, like they were dancing. Some even fell to their knees, laughing this terrible, high-pitched squeal. Even the guards were frightened. It didn't kill them. After two hours, I sent five men in with rifles. It's getting dark. Your mother will be worried. So yeah, that's pretty much like the real story that we kind of get from uh, from <clears throat> Arthur from Denver. Yeah. And then after that, it's a you know it's getting dark, you know, type of thing. So doesn't he call to say that he's on his way home, right? Uh. I believe so. I'm trying to remember what happened right after this because I'm watching this scene. Oh, okay. No, no. So, so yeah, it, it goes, he goes home and he's laying in bed and he starts dreaming. You know, he's waking up in sweats. Yeah. And he has that real weird fucking dream. Right. Where sequence. he sees a real skinny dude. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. That actor, I, I didn't write down his name, but he would appear in X-Men 2. Okay. As Stryker's mutant son. Who is oh, in the wheelchair. wheelchair. Oh, really? It's okay. that same guy. Uh, and I, I know I've seen him in other places before as well. Yeah, and he's, we have uh, Todd. He's having these weird dreams. He's pretty much, it's almost like <clears throat> the post-traumatic stress disorder is yeah. really what he's having. Because, I mean, he's, he's immersing himself into this yeah. world of torture and just, you know, <clears throat> chaos, cruelty. cruelty and he's and starting, it's starting to rub off on him a little bit. I'm glad you said that because uh, in, the, in the lead up to this film, uh, some of Brian Singer's, like, inspirations for wanting to do this <clears throat> were the fact that there weren't any any more you know true horror movies in a way where the spirit of the horror film isn't just the flash or like the, 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 the visual monsters or supernatural shit mm-hmm. is something that's uh you know you know rooted in reality um as he says here in in an article i'm reading it says brian singer first read apt pupil when he was 19 years old and when he became the director he wanted to adapt the novella into a film um, he says the uh, <coughs> he spoke of his goal saying there have been a lot of fun horror movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream and I know what you did last summer but he says I miss those movies like The Shining The Exorcist or The Innocents um, and he says that the premise for this movie is really more like a study in cruelty and uh, he prepared the film by reading books like Hitler's Willing Executioners um, which confirmed his beliefs that Nazi war criminals felt guiltless and matter of fact about what they did. Because there's even a clip where Arthur says it something that had to be done. Yeah, you know, and so there's no like moral ambiguity or, or like you know uh, problems with what they think they're doing is just their duty. 
And it doesn't. Is it this scene where he asks him like, "How did that make you feel?" Yeah, uh, yeah. Is it this scene? Is uh, is or is it later on? I think it's a little later on a little because later he tells on, okay. him a story. There's a, there's another story he tells about uh, something. It'll be in the yeah. notes. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it will be. Yeah, yeah. So he has this massive like dream, and it's really starting to mess with his psychological well being. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he wakes up in the morning, he's going to go to Denker's again. And his mom's like, hey, me and your dad want to meet this guy. Yeah. Invite him over for dinner. Um, and then it cuts to dinner time with Denker, with, yeah. his, with his parents, his grandparents and Denker. You know, they're sitting around. He's like, so. And of course, his grandfather goes, you know, what did you do during the war, a friend or whatever? And Denker goes, oh, I worked in a, a hospital because my eyesight was bad. You know, just lying through his fucking teeth. Right. Yeah. And, he, and there's he even definitely that, plays the feeble old man thing. Very well, yeah. Where, where are my cigarettes? My cigarettes? cigarettes. Yeah, and there's like a there's a white-tailed buck hanging up. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's a white-tailed buck. Well, I, I didn't like, realize your family were hunters. Yeah, and and he's like, like, oh, yeah, and they're like, oh, Todd's not. He's more into basketball and baseball. And there's something really about they said, yeah, he not really didn't never really took, took to guns, to but yeah. he's still a hunter. Yeah, yeah never really took to guns. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, do uh, do another great Nazi show is called Hunters. I did. I I love that. <laughs> I wait, can't wait for the second season. It's gonna be yeah. so good. <laughs> Um, Todd's overlooking the photos of, um, I'm trying to think, oh, I can barely read my, wait, this, right? yeah, 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 after okay. dinner. It, was right, it was right after this that, that they have a small discussion, I think back at Arthur's house. Yeah. And that's when Todd asks, how did it make you yeah, feel? Yeah, there it is. Yeah. How did you make, and he goes, you, you can't understand. Yeah. And, and he's, he's like, like it's something understand. that had to be done. Burr, 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 burr. Um, and so then the, uh, we have the basketball practice. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about a party on Saturday, and then they go in. They're taking a shower, so you see a bunch of you know high school butts and yeah, this uh, side penis and shit. There was some side penis. There was some some side penis, which is weird because Renfro was actually 14 when he filmed this role, and so I imagine some of the other extras and other actors in this scene maybe were older to do Possibly. this kind of stuff because well it's supposed to be 1984 everyone took showers together in 1984 yeah so. but there was a, a little bit of a problem that came out of this movie um as a result of i think that scene um a 14 year old extra filed a lawsuit alleging that he was ordered to strip naked for the shower scene although he declined to do so two other boys one 17 and one 16 made similar claims. One of the boys stated that he com- that he complied with the instruction to undress but did not feel comfortable doing so, alleging that they had been traumatized by the experience. The boys sought damages from the filmmakers based on claims of infliction of emotional distress, negligence, and invasion of privacy. Hmm. A sexual crimes task force that included local, state, and federal personnel investigated the incident, while some sources state that the civil case was dismissed due to insufficient evidence and others indicate that it was settled out of court. It's not the only time Mr. Singer some shit has been leveled at Mr. Singer. Yeah. Uh, during the shower she sour I can't speak today. Shower. During the shower scene, um, Todd's like kind of wiping his face um, with the water and his back turned like the yeah, shower. Like the shower head's like hitting his back. And when he closes his eyes, he like pretty much starts doing another daydreaming yeah. situation where he's almost like in a shower yeah. with in like, some kind of death like camp. a holocaust death camp type of yeah. thing and then when he when he moves his eyes he's been sitting under that shower for like an hour everybody's yeah. gone he's just sitting there and what i thought he's was cool pruned up when he turned his back Whoa. his whole back was red yeah like from, from the, the hot shower i just thought that was a cool little um little thing like they probably made they that did, i wonder if they made him detail. sit there like for a little while to do well that. i mean they could have easily just like hit him with some uh some makeup some or makeup something. to yeah. make it look red i mean you could but make, it was definitely red 
this made me think of like a, a word that I learned from a Dune novel. Whenever you kind of like disappear into your thoughts and, and sort of like a reverie. Yeah, like a daydream or, or whatever. When you're sort of kind of collecting your thoughts and compartmentalizing everything, it's what you call wool gathering. Wool gathering? Wool gathering. Wool. Oh, so you're gathering wool in your brain? Wool. Yeah, like wool, like a sheep's wool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What, what, like lanolin? Sheep's wool? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's an uh, Anchorman reference. Yeah. Uh, in, in one of the Dune novels, yeah, I know... I know, Dune. I don't have any connections to Dune on this one. <laughs> Just make it one. Although retroactively, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, remember when we did the Ninth Gate? Uh, I forgot to mention that Jose, Jose Lopez Rodero, who played the twins, mm-hmm. the Sinitza brothers, he was the actually the second unit director on 1984's Dune, which is the year this movie is set in. Wow. I wonder if old Brad Renfro <laughs> went to see this movie. Anyway, Maybe. so wool gathering is a word that I, I learned once and I kind of liked, and I wonder if that's what he was... He was doing, and why didn't anybody be like, "Yo, homie, fucking next class"? Maybe they did, and he just he was just <clears> out oh, he was just yeah, checked just out. Is that hard? Yeah, could be. Um, we cut. We, <clears> we, <throat> we go to a scene where Todd is bringing Denker a gift. Now, this scene is uh, pretty much the thing that you heard at the very beginning of the episode, right? Um, he puts it on the kitchen counter, and Todd has bought a recreation German uh, uh, officer, officer, yeah, officers, yeah. Um, and. I, it must have been pretty expensive because that thing looks really, really good. Yeah, he, he even says it's itchy as hell. Yeah, <laughs> which means it's probably made kind of cheap, but and it looks he, legit. It's got the uh, the death skull on the hat or whatever you call that bad boy with the two SS bolts. He, uh, he forces Denker to put it on, like he yeah. really does, and you can you can kind of see this is where the the chaos in his brain is starting to go a little awry. So he starts making a, is he like starts making a march. Yeah. He's like yeah. march in place, left turn. Right. March, yeah. right turn, right face, march. Yeah. And then that clip at the beginning where, and then Denker kind of just starts just marching real it. fast yeah. and he's saluting and doing all this stuff. And, it's, and then it's uneasy. Yeah. Him, he's like, okay, all right, yeah, stop. And Denker, and, uh, Todd's like, okay, well, stop, stop, well, Because stop, stop. the controller's no longer there. When he, when he sees that he's starting to enjoy it, he's like, well, no, 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 I'm in control of this. Now you stop. No, he lost control there yeah. because that's when, again, at the end of that clip, when Denker says, you know, boy, you play with fire. And it's, it's, yeah. Like you've released the beast. Like, and I think like you unlocked the cage that shouldn't have what he does what he does in doing this i think they're equally like sort of like turning up the uh the blood boil if you will kind of like inciting their their bloodlust in each other you know because he's awakening something with him and through learning more about dinker or he is becoming more more uh desire desirous of of that kind of like visceral feeling the connection of what it's like to take a life yeah you know? and and it starts to get a little this is this is where the the, the floodgates open to this mm, movie yeah, yeah um after that scene uh todd is in a car with a girl um yeah they're trying to they're making out he's not really into it she's trying she to get him a, a bj yeah, a handy like, nah nothing and he's like <laughs> so this never like happened sparks up a joint yeah sparks up a <clears> joint <throat> but during this time um we see Denker outside of his like his backyard, his porch. He's having a yeah. cigarette, and this cat comes up, and he's he like, wanders up. Oh, hello, kitty. Hello, Where kitty. are you from? And yeah. uh, uh, he grabs the cat and tries to throw the cat in his oven. Yeah, he set and, the broiler on yeah. too. Like so, you see, you see the flame yeah, come yeah. up, and he tries to throw the cat in, and the cat scratches the hell out of him and yeah. jumps out the window. Which yeah. later on, there's actually that cat poster that they can't yeah. find the cat. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Maybe he did get a hold of it at some point. We maybe, yeah. Because um, there's a. Uh, uh, there's more to the the novella that they that I think mm-hmm. would have really helped 
the movie because the movie is still good. I like it. It's 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 really jumping scenes throughout this like seven yeah. months. It's really like boop boop. But there's there's like elements, or even Ian McKellen said in an interview, he thought that this <clears throat> character wasn't very deep. He was kind of one dimensional because he's really just a representative of evil mm. and not like nuanced take on it. You know what I'm saying? So there was some misgivings from Ian McKellen about that. But uh, but in the book, there's what happens in, in the time that Dusinger has away from the kid and the kid himself, like they spend time away from each other after a while and they each start um, going on murder sprees, killing, in the book, killing yeah. vagrants. That's why we see that one vagrant later in the movie. <clears throat> but in the book, they're both, they're each an unbeknownst, to each other, like going out and killing vagrants because no one's gonna look for homeless people or hobos yeah, or things exactly. like that. So it, there, there is like a, a bloodlust in him that, that I don't think we quite see. We kind of get a little bit of a dash of this um, yeah. because after the the cat escapes, where Todd's at school, um, he's looking through his grades, so he's getting like C's and D's. He's mm-hmm. not he's not the A student. Yeah. Um, the uh, the the guidance counselor. Uh, yeah, if you hear that, we're just making some tea in the back. Oh, is that what that is? Though? Yeah. No, um, the guidance counselor, Mr. French, uh, wants to meet with his parents because uh, right. his, his grades are, are slipping pretty much. Yeah, he's, he has a conversation with his friend right after like their gym class or basketball. Yeah, and, and Todd's trying to, he's just playing basketball, and he's just but he's throwing the ball yeah, as hard as he can. It's like being a dickhead and kind of talking to himself. Yeah, and then so his friend leaves, and yeah. he sees a pigeon flying around. The pigeon has a broken wing, right. and Todd is bouncing the ball. And he's like, oh, look, something helpless. And then he, he ends up smashing the smashing bird. The bird. That's a good little sound effect. Yeah. Nice. I mean, he, I mean, he hits it hard, too. And then he just he looks at it and just walks away like there is a stone cold sort of a I don't maybe it's a continuity goof or maybe just something that's just minimal um, in the gym. Mm-hmm. In the gym on the basketball court. Yeah. Uh, to say like the different name of the it's, school or something? Uh, no, it's it's uh, we call it anachronism. Um, it, it's supposed to be in 1984, but there's a three point line, and three point lines weren't introduced into high school basketball until 1987. Ah, uh-huh. okay, yeah. wow, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, after he kills the bird, Todd's over at uh, Arthur's house, Dinker's house, and he's trying to forge his parents' signature because he, he doesn't right. he doesn't want this fucking meeting with uh, yeah with the guy in Scotland. And Mr. Frisch is, is played by uh, David uh, Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. Yeah. Who looks um, like a real pedo. In he this. does because he's got like a big thick black mustache and he yeah. doesn't look old enough to have that kind of mustache but it's the 80s so Yeah, it's fine. yeah, yeah. I suppose that's true. Because um, this was what, 98? So Friends was still on, right? 98? I think, f- yeah. yeah. Or how long was or it? F- it had- Friends was on for like what, 10 years? Something like that? When did Friends start? Uh, I don't know. My I'll wife it up. Know. Yeah, look it up while I'm talking about this. Yeah. Um, Megan. <laughs> yeah. So Todd's trying to, everyone's right now listening to the shouting, French started this time. Um, he's trying to forge his parents' yeah, signature. All our friends fans. And um, Dinker's like, give me that. You know, I've been forging papers before your parents were even born. And uh, it, we pretty much cut to. Oh, wow. It started in, in 1994. Yeah. And the final episode was in May 2004. Yeah. So he was still in Friends during the yeah. time he filmed this. Okay. All right. Um, it cuts to it. It fades into the meeting with the guidance counselor David Schwimmer, and I have a clip of this because he he's like shit. I don't know what to do. Is this where he's he's kind of blaming Dinker for his failing grades because you, the stories you tell me keep me up at night. Yeah, yeah. But it's like your fucking fault. Dude. Yeah, he's like he's like my my grades are failing because of the shit that you've been doing. 
blah blah blah. And okay, yeah, and that's when and he, then it cuts to it, it transfers over to this to this. Okay, yeah. So here it is. Means the world to me. Hey, Todd, have a seat. Hello there. It's okay. Sit down. Yeah, because he thought that it that the the note he wrote would have been enough. Going on. You want to talk about it? Not really. You know, this is nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not your fault. And both of us really want to help you get back on track. Both of you. I must admit that the situation in Richard's home is appalling. I was raised to believe that a man should take responsibility for his family. But when you came to me in tears and asked me to intervene, well, then I realized that this was not a matter to be trifled with. And that's why I arranged this meeting. Well, we all appreciate your concern, Victor. Todd, I've been looking at your record, and according to your progress report, this quarter, every grade is way down. Even your strongest subjects. History. You went from a solid A to a C minus. Trigonometry, down to a D. Todd, did you know you were on your way to finishing first in your class? Yes. Well, your grandfather and I have been talking, and we both agree that with what's been going on, what with your father's work problems and your mom with the drinking, that maybe home isn't the best place to be studying. So he's offered to let you study over at his place every day after school. Todd, I think it's a good idea. So we kind of fade out of that. Yeah. And, uh, he pretty much says, he makes a deal with Todd. He goes, if you can bring your grades back up, yeah. I'll pretty much wipe away your old grades. Yeah. Like it will, they'll kind of transfer over for both semesters. Right. And this is what was obviously a big shocking surprise to Todd because he didn't expect no, he had, Dinker to yeah, he had, pull a fast one. Yeah, because he had forged the paperwork yeah. saying like, oh, we don't need to meet. So when right. he gets there, he's like, I don't, what's this all about? And then he gets there and, and he's then, like, what the oh, hell? And it's really it, drawing him in, yeah. snaring him and in this he, cat and mouse game. And uh, Dinker is playing his, is saying that he's his grandfather, is what he's doing. Right, I yeah. I don't know if that was in the clip. I walked away for a second. Um, yeah, and uh, so Schwimmer is, yeah, Mr. French, and, and um, Dinker now has an upper hand on him a little bit. Yeah, because whatever Todd, you know, kind of bluffed. About having because it, show, it shows them on the back porch of Denkers yeah. and 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 Todd is pissed. He's like, "Why the fuck would you do that?" Yeah. Blah, blah. And Denkers like, like, "Well, now I have well, now you. I have something on you." Yeah, you know. Boom. So now they've both implicated each other in this sort of. Now it's a not a cat and mouse game. It's a cat and cat. Cat and a cat game. Yeah, uh, but I guess it becomes more of like who has more to lose. He's like, "I'm an old man. I could die. In I moment. could die yeah. in any any moment, and and it really won't matter." But your whole life's ahead of you. Yeah, people are gonna know when they find out who I am. The monster of Patton, the camp. Um, they're gonna know my name when I die, but they're gonna look at you and be like, "How long did you know before you you know decided to tell anyone?" Yeah, and you were cohorts about your grades with a fucking yeah. Nazi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So it really doesn't look good for Todd's like academic future, or even you know. 
social future. That night, we see Denker up in his uh, his his room, and he's trying the the outfit back on. The, yeah, he the drinks nice. a lot of Old Crow. You ever you ever drank Old Crow? Ugh. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. Ugh. And he's he's drinking. He's he's wearing the thing, and then he looks outside, and he sees a um, a homeless man digging through the trash. There's a yeah, some vagrant. Which was the bottles. We'll we'll tell you who that is in just a little bit. Yeah, um, and and we're looking, and he's staring at him, and, and the vagrant sees him, and he just kind of you know runs away real quick, like Dinker, just like ducks, ducks yeah, out he's of like, the I'm out of here. Um, and then it, it <coughs> and then it shows uh, pretty much uh, Todd's because Todd says he's like you know because of this we can't hang out anymore. Yeah, or, or he, you know he's like, well they have like a he gets his grades back up right? Well, yeah he's he's like he's like I won't tell you any more stories until yeah. you get your grades back up so there's there's this like Todd studying montage yeah in the do, uh, do, 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 do. in right. that first in that first scene where Todd's like frustrated and working on something but Dinker's over in a corner smoking and drinking and watching I Dream of Genie yeah laughing having a good time because <laughs> I saw like Larry Hagman is that his name. Um, yeah, because he shrunk down being chased by the cat. Yeah, yeah and I was like, is that a movie or is that from... No, it's, I, I think it's... It was an episode of uh, I Dream of Genie. I Dream of Genie, yeah. yeah, yeah. We were like, Bewitched? No, I think it's Dream of Genie. Yeah, I, I always kind of mixed up those Because he's always watching like cartoons, like uh, well, yeah, Tom and Jerry. Oh, he's watching Tom and Jerry, Cat the, and Mouse. No, no. Oh, true. Was <laughs> he watching Tom and Jerry? He watched Tom and Jerry at one point. Because there was one where he was watching Mr. Magoo. Oh, yeah, it was Mr. Magoo then. Okay. And and I was like, oh, that's kind of clever because that's essentially who he's trying to pretend to be is something like a Magoo. Like uh, to the parents, yeah, you know, so everybody takes their eye off because this isn't a Nazi war criminal; he's a goofy ass old man. After oh, oh, that, yeah, it, during this montage, like um, Todd's pretty—I mean, he's losing his mind; he's getting pissed he's, off. But he's out anger biking. Yeah, he's anger biking. But remember, <laughs> yeah, he's anger biking. He falls. He ends up going home and grabbing the um, the stash, the 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 file. Yeah, on him. and he's and, like, I got to get rid of this and stuff. He throws it away because he's thinking about the bigger implication that Dinker put in his head. Yeah, he's like, if about, anyone if knows, you found out that I knew this was a Nazi. This you're whole you're going time. down with me, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and this then, is when, yeah, this I have the I have that scene. Um, the the grades are up. Oh, okay. And Dinker, where they decide to part ways, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, okay. Dinker's happy that his grades are up. You know, oh, and he tells him the story. Yeah, and then he tells him this this little story, and uh, here it is. Hey, I think I will give you the day off from studying. How's that? <laughs> How about uh, one of my stories instead? I still have a few good ones left. I don't care. Let's see. I could tell you about the special soap. Well, mate. There's always the story of how I escaped from Berlin after I was so foolish as to go back. That was a close one, I can tell you. No, none of these. I think you don't seem to be in the mood. I think today I will tell you the story of an old man who was afraid. He was afraid of a certain young boy who was, in a queer way, his friend. The boy proved to be a very good student. But uh, perhaps in quite the way his mother and his teachers had envisioned. At first, the old man disliked the boy intensely, but then... 
He began to enjoy the boy's company. Of course, there was still a great deal of distrust between them. Each knew something the other wanted to keep secret. Over time, the old man felt his hold on the boy slipping away. He thought the day might come when the boy no longer needed him. So, one sleepless night, the old man got out of bed and wrote down the story of his involvement with the boy. Everything he could remember. From the first day forward, he wrote how the boy forced his way into the old man's house and blackmailed the old man to serve his own morbid fascinations. When the boy's grades began to fall, he blamed the old man and ordered him to impersonate his grandfather. At the end, his hand was stinging with arthritis, but he felt happy for the first time in weeks. He felt safe. On the following morning, the old man uh, put on his best suit and went down to one of the local banks and rented a safe deposit box. The bank officer explained to the old man that only the old man could use the old man's key, with one exception. The exception was in the event of the box holder's death. Then what? Oh, well, then the box will be opened in the presence of a bank official and a representative of the Internal Revenue Service. And uh, the contents of the box would be inventoried. But in this case, they would only find a 12-page document. Non-taxable, but highly interesting. You didn't do this. I don't believe you. My boy. <laughs> It is already done. Jesus, look at you. You could go at any time. Don't be so theatrical. A man five or ten years older than me worries more about his ailing heart than being sent off to Israel. And the day will come, if I live long enough, when I decide that what you know no longer matters. Well, then and only then I will destroy the document. So many things can happen in between. Accidents, sickness. You can slip in the fucking shower, for Christ's sake. The future's not ours to see. I can see you're thinking it now, even now. It's in your eyes, killing me. All it will take would be the flick of a knife, push me down the steps, make it look like an accident. I'm old, you're strong, you're angry. Good assets for killing, but there is something missing. 
to have someone in your control. To have them know that they are alive only because you have not decided to the contrary. Do you have that power? Ask yourself, it's not an easy question. I think you know that. You know this means we're through, don't you? You won't be seeing me around here anymore. No. I suppose I won't. Then he pours him a drink and says, this is the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, they part ways, pretty much. Yeah, essentially. Uh, it's the end, quote-unquote, to their relationship. And uh, it kind of moves into another little musical montage with yeah, the song him. Dust East Berlin. Yeah, and he's Todd is just back to his normal life. Mm-hmm. He's having sex. Normal. Yeah, normal-esque. Uh, he's even at a theater at one point, and uh, yeah. he hears someone laughing, and he looks, and you just see the back of a head. Right. Like you, don't, you don't know if it is Denker right. or if it wasn't, right. but it's still in the back of his mind. And that's Yeah, because that's what's <clears throat> you know the pervasive thought in his brain is... He's trying his best to, you know, to push forget. it back. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I really I, I am excited to tell you more about the differences between the novel and the and the film, because you don't really get too much of a glimpse into the kid's mania or how he really feels. He never really. Movie, yeah. He never really explicitly states that he hates any particular group of people. He does linger at the beginning of the movie. You do see him linger on the word Jews a lot. And, th- and then it's erased. Yeah. You know, which I think was sort of symbolic. Oh, on the, of on the, the Holocaust. Board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because in the novel, he <clears throat> is a little more violent towards people and has uh, secret fantasies or, or dreams that are different uh, and more involved mm-hmm. than what we see in the movie where you just see him in the showers of these, you know, the death camps and stuff, which is so really, really downplayed the violence significantly yeah i I think i think the movie they were really trying to get the the dynamic between the two of them the connection yeah that that master pupil thing that is there but isn't like sort of like an unwilling reluctant mentor and mentee Uh, they're both uh they're both whacked dinkers on the bus that he always takes and the hobo that was Mm -hmm. uh, digging through his trash recognizes uh, him and that is the one the only the actor i call him casey jones because he played casey jones he played Casey Jones in Ninja Turtles. He is a fantastic actor. He's a great actor. I was saying, I think we were talking the other day. The one movie I also recognize him from, I think it's called uh, Almost an Angel, and it's with Paul Hogan. So we got a little Paul Hogan thing going on there. I'm trying to remember another, and that's he plays film a he was in where he he's he, always playing minor roles. Like sometimes he'll be like a supporting actor, but sometimes he's a minor. Um, and yeah, they get a, hang I, on. I got I got. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get a clip of him or anything like that. Yeah, his name's Archie in this film, and, and he's he's really just a drunk uh, hobo. Oh, that's right. Okay, the Thin Red Line. Yeah, he wasn't that. He was really he? good in that. Um, Zodiac and Shutter Island, he was in those. Zodiac's a long-ass movie. <clears throat> yeah, and there was another one that he was in that I, I thought that was probably like one of my favorites from him. I can't remember what it was. Oh, Defendor, that's right, and The Fourth Kind, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Okay, carry on. Uh, so, where was I? Okay, so yeah, um, 
the the hobo gets off the bus with him and he pretty much is like hey man you know i i saw you you saw me yeah we won't say anything i let me help you with your bags you know he's pretty much saying like hey man just like can i get a drink can i get this he's trying to blackmail him a little bit like well i think what he saw he saw brad renfro's character coming over a lot and he i think he thinks there was some sort of sexual inappropriate touching relationship going on but he also saw him in like the outfit i don't know if he completely saw the german outfit uh I think when he says, I know something about you. Den- it's, yeah, Denker thinks he knows that. Yeah, Denker Yeah, Denker thinks that he th- knows that, but then when he explains it, he thinks, oh, you think I had a homosexual relationship, relationship with, with, yeah, with, with a boy, and he's like, I can do that too. Yeah, so pretty much. Uh, <clears throat> and you have booze. He's like, you, you smell like shit. He's like, well, can I use your shower? <coughs> Denker invites him in, and the entire time, yeah, they're having this conversation about it, and uh, towards the end, Denker's like, or, the hobo is pretty much saying he's like you know for ten dollars i can do what the little boy does yeah and then dinker stabs him in the back with a fucking knife yeah and so i'm sorry another another great movie that elias is in is gattaca 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 (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah so he stabs homeboy in the back and he, and he ends up falling down the basement stairs and yeah he gets really fucked up and yeah, and dinker thinks that he's dead and then dinker starts having a heart attack yeah during this yeah 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 he he doesn't know what to do, so he calls um, mm-hmm. he calls Todd, and he's like, "I need you to get over here now." Um, kind of blackmailing Todd a little yeah, more. Yeah, he's like, like, "I need a if I die, you know that thing." Yeah, the thing's gonna is happen. gonna happen. The safety deposit box that I have with all that information. And so Todd goes over, and he's like, I, "Give me the key to the safety deposit box, and I'll help you." And he's like, "After you take care of something, go down <clears> the stairs." <throat> Todd goes to walk down the stairs and Dinker shuts the door on him as he's having a heart attack. Like, yeah. like this dude's strong as an ox. Like, like. <clears throat> and uh, it, it, this is all part of his plan to ensnare Todd into to, something to, else. Yeah. And, and uh, cause he can see this kid's capacity for evil. Yeah. <clears throat> and it just takes that push. He sees the strength. Like yeah. they say, like homeboy said in uh Batman, you know, there's a different, there's just a small difference between sanity and madness. It just takes a little push. <clears throat> and so he's trying to, you know, exploit Todd's sort of like latent bloodlust and does so by putting him down in a basement with someone who is supposedly you know, dead. His face is obscured uh, by the blood. And so so he doesn't connect with them on a human level. Yeah. And he's he got a big knife as, in his back, like right through the spine. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah. And he sees them. You know, Todd doesn't see this man as it's like the wounded bird. Yeah, it's just like the wounded bird. He's like, you know, okay, so he goes to find a shovel that must or something. Be done. He goes yeah. to like find a shovel, and then the guy gets up, like the hobo gets yeah. up. Yeah, and, and he's Todd's like, oh, like oh. shit! And he's like, get away, get away! And then Todd just whacks him as hard as he can with the yeah. shovel, and he pretty much murders, kills him, dude. kills yeah. him, and yeah. buries him in the basement. That's right. And doop, doop, doop. so uh, Dinker um, needs an ambulance, and after this, you know. Todd comes up after he kills the man in the basement. He's like, give me the key. And he's like, there's no fucking key, man. There's, yeah. There's no. No, he doesn't. Oh, he, he says, says he does that later. He goes, I'll get it, but I need you to, I need you to get me a, an ambulance. All right. So they get the, he uh, buries the man. He burns the Nazi costume. That's right. Uh, Todd cleans the place up as much yeah. as he can. Yeah. Um, and he calls the ambulance and then like, you know, Todd's parents come over. Oh, and by the way, Todd's dad is Bruce Davidson, Bruce Davidson, which you would recognize him from X-Men. Yeah. He, he played the, the senator. senator. Yeah. He's been, a, he always plays such a douchebag usually in a lot of movies. Yeah, kind of. He's, he's always like some kind of antagonistic character, but he's never like a main character. No. Yeah. He's always just one of those. He always plays like a CEO or something like that. Yeah. Um, he walks in and he's looking around like as, you know, 
the hospital's bringing out the dead and it, it shows the shot where he you can't see the other side of the wall phone and the wall phone has blood yeah. on it that was a good shot too it was, was a like, great oh, shot this is cool because he's looking at the phone and the door into the basement and he's like it looks it looks too clean for someone who had a heart attack you know like, like something yeah, should did, be knocked over didn't yeah or, yeah 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 well, maybe that I don't know if I didn't think about and, that. And, I guess and, that's a good. And that house looks cleaner than it ever did. Yeah, you know when like Todd would come over, like the house would always look a little right. messy. Todd cleaned that house like perfectly. Well, that happened before Todd came back and cleaned it because he did it the next day. Well, he, still yeah, he, on well, the night. He, yeah, well, it was still on. Well, he cleaned it and then the ambulance came and then he comes back and cleans it. Oh, uh, okay. So he like he finishes. Um. <clears throat> then there's the there's a scene in the <laughs> hospital. Um, where he wakes up and Todd's there and he's like, this is when he tells him, he, was he tells him there was no key. I yeah. used you. I played you. And he's like, can you at least stay with me type of thing? And Todd actually sits down and stays with, you him. know what Danker asks him? Hmm. How did it feel? Oh, how did it feel? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. the same thing. How did it feel? <laughs> Cause now his journey to this dark place is, is quite complete, but he opened that door and now is in the, in the book again, and I'll discuss the differences more. There's, there's a point in the book where Todd, is with that girl Becky. Only in the book, she's called Betty. Okay, and uh, he has problems, you know, uh, performing sexually mm-hmm. because he doesn't quite get the thrill from that the way he did from the killings. killing. Yeah, and he and Denker had independently killed, you know, from each in, other in the, in the novel. Yeah, over uh, and so that's what Todd would do. He's like couldn't get his wiener to work, so he would go out and kill hobos and transients. And there's it's a little it gets a little more. Little sinister uh, with the with the the girl character in the book too, and we'll talk about that as soon as we come to the end here. The um, while he's in the hospital, the, there is a guy because they're sharing a room. Um, you don't really see the guy; yeah. he's just kind of laying there like he's dead, like type of thing. He's not dead; he's just sleeping. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's sleeping. He's napping. Yeah. He's old. Um, it, when to- Todd wakes up, and pretty much like it's the middle of the night, he goes to yeah. leave, and the and the gentleman in the the, the same room is like, yeah. uh, oh, is that I your grandfather? That voice over there. Is he German? He's like, oh, yeah, he's not my grandfather, just a friend, stuff like that. And the guy, and, and the man... where he was during the war. Yeah, and the man who's laying in the bed is actually the actor who played the head Nazi in Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, the guy who goes off the uh, off the cliff with the... Um, yeah, with the, his name is... The uh, tank. Oh snap! Hang on, I ha- I just had. Yeah, it. he's extremely recognizable if he likes Indiana Jones. He's been in a bunch of stuff, so it's kind of interesting. And he gets up and he looks at the guy's face, like he looks at Dinker's face, and he just starts crying and yeah. you know, like biting his his hand. And he yeah. he can barely walk. He goes outside. He like embraces a nurse, and he's just sobbing. Like it's really fucking sad because he recognizes who this guy is. He is. That's uh, Michael Byrne. Michael Byrne. Okay. He was uh, Vogel in in Indiana Jones: Crest, The Last yeah. Crusade. Uh, he was Admiral Kelly in Tomorrow Never Dies, in okay. Seven, and he was also in Battlefield Earth. He always plays such a good like military war kind of guy. And it's yeah, as some of him. all fears, he was Anatoly that that uh, character. Hang on, Midsummer Murders. Okay, yeah, I'm just laughing at this because Battlefield Earth. He was in that. <laughs> um, we we got to cover that dog turd. So he recognizes him, and he's just sobbing music. And then the next day, um, Denker wakes up, and I have a clip of this, and this is what he wakes up to. Okay. Mr. Kramer is recuperating elsewhere. Are you awake now, Lucinda? Yes, of course. But you seem to have confused me with someone else. My name is Denker. Perhaps you need a different room. My name is Weisskopf, and you are Kurt Dusander. No, 
don't know about that name. Should I call it nurse? The man in the next bed was Benjamin Kramer. He was in prison for 10 months at Patin. You were responsible for the death of his wife and two daughters. My name is Denker. Denker. I am an American. Please don't bother. Your papers won't stand up to serious examination, and you know it. I think we have all we need here, Isaac. What is man? I'm Dan Mitchell, a special agent with the FBI, and this is Detective Getty with the LAPD. And I think you know who I work for. When you regain your strength, you will be moved. Until then, this entire world will be under guard. You can expect to be in Jerusalem by the end of the summer. Yeah, and Dinker's face is just like stunned he's stunned he's like oh shit i've been found out yeah and even outside of the hospital there's like people that are right like it, it's two opposite riots you yeah got, like, neo-nazis and protest and like people yeah. that are like you know yeah. it's just it's pretty nuts um and then during this this <clears throat> section um you uh you see todd he's great he's at graduation yeah. and he runs into french yeah and french is like oh and these are your parents these are your parents this doesn't seem like in his mind he's like doesn't seem like what i was told that your parents yeah. are like like a, an even, abuser and an alcoholic he even asks about the grandfather Victor, and he's like oh yeah he's in a wheelchair he's over in charlotte yeah, he's whatever. in charlotte he's fine he's like wait and then he's todd pretty much is like okay let's go let's go let's go and mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. does like his speech i didn't get to grab the thing of the speech um, you know uh, kevin pollock almost played the part of mr french i would have rather seen kevin pollock as french than yeah yeah all right i like kevin pollock as an actor i do too um he, he does his graduation speech. It's really great. And then Todd is, he wakes up in the morning and he hears the news that there was a body found in Denker's house and that he's, you know, Dusander, the Nazi. Mm -hmm. um, and then Todd gets questioned by the, the pretty much the, the Israeli government official, yeah. the FBI and stuff like that. And he's just denying everything. He's like, no, I just, I would read them books. Yeah. Stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Uh, the one character, too, was uh, the guy who played Miles Dyson in Terminator 2. Yeah, the black dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, played yeah. The, the doctor, right? The guy who created the arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or reverse engineered it and was rewriting the software that yeah. became Skynet. Um, he's being questioned. I just watched that, too. So. And as they're, you know, they don't really see anything in Todd. They're kind of like, oh, he's just a mm -hmm. young boy with grand ambition. Well, he's kind of learned how to be a master manipulator yeah. from Dusender. And... Um, as they're driving away, he's like, so what about the boy? You know, the Israel guy's like, what about the boy? He's like, nah, he's fine. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a little suspicious. Yeah, he's still a little suspicious about yeah. it, which, you know, any, any Israel inquisitor into Nazi Germany, I think, would be questioning everything known to man. Yeah, um, especially when you're hunting them, you know. Mr. French comes by the house to talk to Arthur's, Arthur's parents. Now, during this clip that I want to play, this is actually the very end of the movie. Yeah. Um, there's going to be conversation between Todd and, and, and French, and there's mm -hmm. also going to be, you're going to hear some stuff um, in between. Because okay. during that time in between, uh, Arthur uh, Denker is killing himself. Yeah. He takes his... Doesn't um, he uh, give himself an embolism? Yeah, he pretty much unhooks a piece of his... Um, his IV like, and starts blowing air into it. To ugh, that's got to be painful. Yeah. But hey, it's... <laughs> well, no, no, I was watching cowards the, do, but the, the Operation Finale. That's about the... Yeah. Based on the true story where they go to get Eichmann from Argentina and bring yeah. him up. And even in that movie, it's... 
he pretty much like in in that movie he's like you know you're gonna send me to jerusalem to stand trial to only be hung he's like they're just wanting to hear my story and they're still gonna hang me yeah so it's the same thing dinker's like i'm I'm gonna gonna die i'm I'm gonna be put on trial for the whole world to see and i'm gonna die anyway right right. so it's kind of a yeah do it it's like it's also denying the people hunting him the satisfaction of 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 getting showing the world boom justice you know and here's the end of the film um and you're going to really get a sense of uh what todd has become yeah and here it is i wouldn't know where to begin well you're gonna have to tell me something todd I can tell you that it'd be better if we both just forgot about that. Well, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Can you hear me, sir? Get the crash right now. Sir! Why don't you tell your parents I'll be back to see them later? Mr. French? What? I thought we had a deal here. Pull up your grades and the world will open up for you. What do you mean? You want me to just forget about this? I just want to go to college and get on with my life. Todd, okay, you know, we're not going to talk about this right now. It was a mistake to come here. I'll do this over the phone. Can I ask you something, Ed? You don't mind if I call you Ed, do you? Now that I'm out of your fucking high school. Does it ever work? What? I really want to know. Does it ever work? Am I the first one? Because if I'm the first, I'm flattered, really, but somehow I can't believe that. Not after you fixing my grades and giving me your home phone number. And then you come out here when my parents aren't home. What are you talking about? I mean, you've got some balls. Is this why your wife left you? You must have really wanted to shake my hand or something else. Now, wait a minute. What are you... You're going to tell people I, I, I did something to you, Todd? I don't want to drag you down with me, but I will. I'm better at this than you are. Better at what? I'm trying to help you, Todd. Can't you see that? You've helped enough. I won't just do nothing. We're going to fucking have to! Still The things I'm going to say, they'll never go away. Not for you. Think of your job. <laughs> Think of your son. Dan, clear. Dan, clear. So what's the story here, Ed? Do we have a deal? You can't do this, Todd. You have no idea what I can do. Yeah. Nice little flat line there to kind of so like punctuate. That, yeah. And we, like we get that close up on Denker's <clears> eye, <throat> you know, at the end of him just staring. And I, I really like the basketball in that because it's when he killed the pigeon earlier yeah, he's and now he's bouncing this basketball thing. and he's looking at French like, like, like you're a, uh, you're a yeah. wounded pigeon. Yeah. And I got you right All where you I need are you. To me. Yeah. yeah. 
and, and that's pretty much the movie. I mean, yeah. it's a. I really do suggest that you guys watch this. I, yeah, it's I, awesome. I remember seeing this movie back in the day on like on the IFC channel. I was probably, oh, yeah. I was probably like maybe eighth grade, ninth grade, and that's when I was like, "Oh, this movie is fucking yeah. shit," you know. <clears throat> I was talking. And I haven't. About, uh, and I hadn't seen it since. Until now. oh really? So this is yeah. This a is nice a, a nice revisit. fresh yeah revisit. I, uh, I this used to be in my personal collection. I think I I bought this movie when Movie Stop was still open over off of uh, Osceola Parkway. Yeah, yeah. I loved that store. They had the whole they had a whole section that was just Criterion collection too. And I passed this one day thinking, oh, is man. this part of Criterion? No, it's not. So. It's not. But they had a they had a whole section for that, which is great. I go and I'd be like, I want this one. I want yeah. this one. And um, <clears throat> I think I was in. I was right after high school. I had seen the movie prior but i didn't own it and so i was trying to like build my movie collection because i was just just balls deep in in movies uh, around this time and i i picked it up out of that that store and it was in my collection for for a long long time and uh i hadn't seen it since i don't know maybe about 10 years uh but it's always been one of my favorites and i've always known that it was um based on the stephen king work um, but I didn't know all of its deeper connections. Yeah, I really want to read it, like from yeah. just the conversation that we've been having. I think, well, especially because it's like they're short stories. I'm not Stephen King always writes those massive goddamn novels, and I'm not a huge fiction guy, so I don't. I've only know. actually read um, one of his books, and that was uh, um, Dreamcatcher. Okay. So, and my dad loves The Stand. He's always talking about that. I see you've got a copy of yeah, it back that's, there. Yeah, that's my buddies. Uh, let Megan borrow it. I'm probably going to read a lot more of his stuff now that I'm, you know, a little more interested. And so, yeah, we, we did mention that it's part of the um, novella series called Different Seasons, um, of which the other stories are um, Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption, which was turned into a movie. Uh, and then there was one called The Body, which was also turned into the movie Stand By Me. Okay. So this movie has connections to those two, two stories. In fact, um, I think the fourth story in that series is called... Hang on. Let me see if I can bring that up. <clears throat> well, you did have something interesting that I remember you telling me about with the, the connection to Shawshank. Uh, yeah, I was, I was coming okay. to that, but I wanted to... Uh, see if I can remember the other name of this. Well, here, what actually? Here it is. I found it. Well, hold on. While you're doing that, I do need to. Uh, I do need to to play this Shit. real quick. Okay. Quack 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 quack. Hey everyone, I'm Fish. I'm Josh. We are Duck and the Usher, and we here at Duck and the Usher are sponsored by the Copper Fox Tattoo Company in Kissimmee, Florida. They're out on West 192, and you can also find them on their social media, Facebook and Instagram, at Copper Fox Tattoo Company. And if you'd like to become a sponsor of the show, go to duckandtheusher.com and click the Support the Show link, and that'll bring you to our Patreon site, where for just as low as a dollar, you can be part of our Facebook group, and as high as $25, be a sponsor of this show. Well, let's get back to the episode. Quack, 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 quack. Do you find it? I my fucking internet just stopped working on uh, this and on this. Anyway, different seasons. There's a fourth one uh, story to that, which is also being turned into a film by Scott Derrickson, who directed uh, the Sinister movie and Doctor Strange. Nice. Anyway, so yeah, the connection this has to other films, um, maybe not in an explicit sense, but. A lot of the Stephen King multiverse stuff has subtle little subtle little things that connect. Yeah. So when Dusender is arrested in the hospital, 
The uh, movie displays a newspaper article which reveals that Dusinger was independently wealthy and lived off of a small personal fortune, seemingly to explain how Dusinger was able to live by himself with no outward source of income. Mm-hmm. <coughs> in Stephen King's original story, Dusinger's wealth is explained one step further, namely that in the 1950s, he had bribed a banker in Maine to purchase stocks and bonds under an assumed name. Dusinger would later tell Todd Bowden that the banker's name was Andy and was later sent to prison for killing his wife. The banker was, in fact, Andy Dufresne, <laughs> the main character of Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, also by Stephen King. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's, that's, a, that's an awesome, cool connection. Right. Yeah. And so, and also that that sort of really plays more to the the timeline of the original novel because it's set in the seventies and not the eighties. Yeah. So there would be some. It would make I don't know if it would make uh, Dinker older or whatever. So, um, but in any case, the movie and the novella ending are drastically different. In the novella's ending, after Dusinger's death, Todd murders Mister French after he confronts him. Uh, and then goes up on an overpass and begins to snipe people in their cars going by until the police kill him, kill Todd. So Todd dies in the story as well. Yeah, in the movie, he essentially gets away with everything without having to kill Mr. French. Bryan Singer opted to use this ending and later turned to Stephen King, citing that he didn't think he could do justice to the novella's ending. And also he wanted to dial back some of the pro, the the violence yeah, he, so th- that the film didn't feel exploitative. Yeah, it's more about the, the two characters than, than the actions of the characters. Right. So it was more of a psychological type of thing. And there's some other interesting things here. Mm-hmm. So the differences between the novella and the film are, are pretty numerous. Um, so Stephen King's novella, Apt People, begins in 1974 when Todd Bowden is in junior high. And it ends with him graduating from high school. In Brian Singer's film, the story takes place fully within 1984, when Todd is uh, in his last year of high school. In the novella, for three years leading to the end of the story, Todd Bowden and discovered Nazi war criminal Kurt Dusinger independently murder a large number of hobos and transients. Whereas in the film, the murders are condensed to Dusinger's attempt to kill the hobo Archie. Um, Singer thought... The sought to reduce the novella's violence, not wanting it to appear exploitative, exploitative or repetitive. I can't speak today. It's all right. Unlike in the novella, animosity toward Jews was not explicitly displayed by the characters in the film. The novella's dream sequence, in which Bowden rapes a 16-year-old Jewish virgin as a laboratory experiment under, under Dusinger's guidance, <laughs> was replaced by the film's dream sequence, in which Bowden sees three shower guest chamber scenes unfold. Reduced in the film was Todd's encounter with the schoolgirl Betty, named Becky in the film. In the novella, he dreams of Betty as a concentration camp inmate whom he can rape and torture. In the film, he has a brief encounter with Becky where he finds himself unable to perform sexually. And, you know, in a lot of what we would refer to as incels in this world are a lot like Todd. Very studious, they get good grades, but they kind of lean towards uh, an alt-right Political ideology. Yeah, a little and, sociopathic. And, and women don't like them. <laughs> in the um, novella, Bowden's high school counselor, Edward French, confronts the student with suspicions that Dusinger is not really Bowden's grandfather, and Bowden murders French right there in cold blood. Uh, Bowden then embarks on a shooting spree from a tree overlooking a freeway, which results in, the, uh, in his death five hours later. Uh, Singer felt unable to accomplish King's ending, and he told... Uh, 
Stephen King. The ending reads so beautifully, I could never measure up to it. I would have killed it. In the film, Bowden intimidates French, who suspects Dusender's false relationship to the student by threatening to destroy him with rumor and innuendo, just like in the film. Stanley uh, Weotter, author of the complete Stephen King universe, wrote, As depicted on screen, Todd is much more consciously evil in his way than in the book. Uh, this switch, while making the ending less brutal, perhaps achieves the impossible. It also makes the ending even darker. It, 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 they're shifting balance where it, where it works out the best. Yeah. You know? uh, and there's another uh, sort of connection that I like, or more of a film theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is this. So there's a film theory that connects it to The Shining. Um, in an article written by Danielle DeWolf from uh, June 2015, she writes, uh, you might remember Jack Torrance as the father from The Shining, frustrated author who slowly loses his mind and tries to kill his entire family with an axe. You know the one. Well, according to one Redditor, who goes by the username Grifter42, there might be a hell of a lot more to Jack Torrance than you uh, previously realized. In fact, Torrance might actually be responsible for writing Stephen King's apt pupil. So you think that's what he was writing while he was up there? Yeah. Mm. So, uh, and and Grifter42 explains, Now, in the movie, it doesn't delve into what Jack writes, besides all work and no play. But in the book, it talks about how he's created a character named Denker. Now, this name also turns up in Apt Pupil. In fact, Denker is an ex-Nazi in hiding. King has created a lot of authors uh, in that head of his. What's to say that some of them don't take over and type what he's at when or when he's at the old printing press <laughs> now apt pupil is about a monster of a student jack a teacher feels guilt for beating one of his former students after finding him uh, while the guy slashes his tires he's fired he becomes bitter or rather more bitter this bitterness leads him to inspiration an idea of a man who teaches desp- despicable things because it was what he learned he teaches them to a kid who ought to be normal he is projecting his hatred onto paper now, what is The Shining about exactly? Imperialism. White man's burden. <laughs> white man's burden and uh, the Nazis. And they were a firm believer in that sort of thing. So Jack funnels his hate, his loathing of students, his loathing of what he's become into this work, into a novella, a novella called Apt Pupil. In it, a student is not just a vandal, but a veritable member of the Hitler youth, almost. He is fascinated by Denker, who Jack mentions several times as a character in his writing, in the book version of The Shining. Denker is Jack's white guilt, anger, and apathy personified. Jack wrote that book. Bachman just slapped his name on it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it's a nice little thing. I mean, personally, I just think maybe Stephen King was like, I need a name. Oh, yeah, didn't I mention someone named Denker at some point? Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Um, I do want to say, uh, here's the Roger Ebert criticism of this. Okay. Um, I kind of disagree with his stuff, but sure. we usually pick one critic to do this stuff. Uh, reviewing for the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, wrote that the film was well made by Brian Singer and well acted, especially by Ian McKellen, but that the, quote, the film reveals itself unworthy of its subject matter, end quote. The critic felt that the offensive material lacked a, quote, social message or a an overreaching purpose and found that the film's later seems to be exploit exploitative. So... I disagree with that. I give it four ducks. Um, I don't think I'm going to give it a full five, um, but it's a definitely a solid four, and it's something I would rewatch um, anytime it was on. I would. I'm definitely in the four duck uh, 
tip of things as well. I think the one thing that like kept me from giving it five is because I think the story could have used more. There could have been more substance of the definitely. violence. Yeah, that that really drives at home how despicable these people are, and and then what this kid will become. Uh, I feel like the ending that we got in the movie was was fine because it kind of leaves it open ended. Like there could be a sequel to this, maybe not to the book, <clears throat> but to the movie. It would be interesting to see. How he grows Todd up. Todd as, as the ultimate villain of another person's story. You know, maybe another student who's coming up and he recognizes the tendencies within him the same way Danker saw And it. maybe Apt People is the story <clears throat> he's telling that other kid, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, you know, like know. He's not going to give the, all the details, but, you know, that's the story that, that Todd yeah. is telling when he's 70 years old or and something. And this also was one of the few Stephen King stories that doesn't uh, take place in Maine. Yeah, no, it doesn't. That's why I was kind of wondering. Yeah, it yeah. takes place in California. Yeah, so four ducks for me, and uh, yeah, it was an excellent movie. I think everybody should see it. Our next film is, oh, by the way, this was available. We rented this. This yeah. was uh, not for free. No, nah, so. it was like a $4 rental on Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, our next, our next film, film, Waterworld. Oh, boy. Kevin Costner. I've been looking forward to this one for uh, a while. Everybody's pretty much probably seen this movie, but it's worth a rewatch. Uh, we may have a guest. Uh, we're not sure on that, but we may have a, a special guest for that one. It's uh, it's just wet Mad Max. That's a, yeah, it's Mad Max with water is what yeah. it is. Minus Mel Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah. Hope everybody's doing well, and uh, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Peace.